Welcome back to the, well, welcome to, for the first time, to the new and improved Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, DF Bean Counter. You can follow me on Twitter at DF Bean Counter. With me today is at Mike Me Up, Mike Lou. That's Mike Me Up with an extra P. It's the only Mike, way, man. you may it's the only know way to do from, it. what's that? It's the only way to do it. Two it's the P's. only way to do it. Completely agree. You may know Mike from Twitter. You may know Mike from YouTube. Uh, he does a segment on the Bunk Bed Breakdowns YouTube channel called Market Watch Monday. It is must see TV on Monday mornings. And he's got a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash our pack. What else are you doing, Mike? Nothing much, man. Just shooting the shit, having a good time. You know how it is. Uh, you know, we try and try and get away from the drama on Twitter. It hard, seems hard to do these days, you know, but uh, we get on there. I poked the bear a couple of times. Uh, I, 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 you know hurl some insults over at you for good fun hoping that someone believes that i'm actually insulting you and then uh hop off that's pretty much my daily routine now on the old bird app that makes sense and I should be noted that some of the patrons were like what's what's mike's problem Why is he so <laughs> mad at you? like uh he's, that's he's awesome that's amazing that mike watch out that's amazing I, I love that you know i'm i'm i've been trying to do it and it's my perfect my perfect spot that i'm trying to go for is when when i tweet something out i just want people to not know if i'm serious or joking that's the perfect zen for me i think in, in uh, on twitter so every once in a while i'll just go over to your account see something that you said that's really smart and just just pretend like it's really dumb and just make fun of it and then i'll go over to someone else who says something really <laughs> dumb and i'll pretend like it's really smart so that's just my that's just what I do now, man. It's just I think it's like it's just entertaining. I mean, if you're not having fun on Twitter, what are you doing? I completely agree. So uh, something did happen today that I need to ask you about because the patrons have been up in arms. They don't know what to do. Travis Etienne is out for the year. Per- yeah, supposedly. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Are you buying? Are you selling? Or are you what? Are, like, what's your plan? It's brutal, man. So here's the thing. Like I, I was not that big of a fan of Travis Etienne coming in, right? But his price fell to a bunch of different spots where I'm like, okay, well now I have a, uh, you know, a few Travis Etienne's across my squads. Um, so I feel like I'm in a point where like, you know, I'm not really, it depends what people are selling for, you know, if people are panicking and, and trading him for less than a future first, then, you know, in that, in those instances, I'm going to go acquire because, you know, he's still a first round running back. Um, but you know, a first round running back who was a developmental project who is going to miss the first year is not a recipe for success. So I think anytime you can kind of flip out and de-risk yourself for like a future first, I think it's a good move to make, you know, whether, regardless of what kind of position you're in, um, especially, you know, you get like a 2023 first plus a bit, or maybe even just 2023 first outright. Um, you know, there's a good chance that that 2023 first can be worth more than Travis Etienne in two years anyway. So, um, I think if you can cash out for like a first, it's totally fine to do so. Um, because it's not like I was paying multiple first from the beginning with. So if I can cash out for basically what I got and I fade the injury, cause it's a, it's a Liz Frank, right? So, I mean, foot injuries are no joke when it comes to running back. It's not as bad as our boy Cam Akers, you know, with the Achilles, but it's also, you know, not, it's not ideal. It's not necessarily as clean as like an ACL rehab, you know what I mean? So, um, I think that's kind of where I'm at with Travis Etienne. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I just, it's just risky to hold. There's, there's no like, um, like his value's no not going to go up. Holding, in right? my opinion, his value's not going to go up the, the, no. between now and next year. There, there, there's zero chance that it goes up because he's just out for the year. You're not going to see anything. So, yeah. like, I, I don't like holding those types of assets, especially. The whole reason why you drafted a rookie running back is because you want to see that value bump year one, which is when it happens, when they perform, right? And if they flop, they're fucked anyways. But 
Sorry, can I swear on your channel? Uh, I don't know. I'll tell uh, the <laughs> producer to bleep it out if we're not allowed. Okay, to. yeah. So if if you you know if you you know if he flops, you're you're kind of screwed anyway. So you're in that Rashad Penny zone. But you know now that he's injured, it's like you know you're not going to see any value increase. So you're kind of holding like a dead dead weight asset. And you know who knows what might happen. Like what happens if J Rob goes out there and pumps again? You know, and then people are like, oh, like is Travis Etienne going to have the job when he comes back? And then you get all these question marks and you get all these value uh value decreases so it's just that type of asset is just not a good one to hold in your roster whereas like you know for a fact you get a 2023 first you know for a fact it's going to increase in value between now and 2023 you know so it's just it's just a different different uh approach and i think if you can de-risk for that type of cost it's always worth it to do yeah no absolutely uh i saw on twitter that uh i think it was edwin or Someone had posted about how you have a 22% average reduction in production mm-hmm. uh, the year after the list, Frank. So I'm like, well, yeah. now we don't have production in year one. We probably don't have very good production in year two. We still yeah. have to deal with James Robinson. So we're looking at maybe a 2023 breakout. So just yeah. give me the freaking pick and I'll I'll wait it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm totally with you on that one. So speaking of James Robinson. Are you buying or selling James Robinson? I know that we had some some disagreements around mm-hmm. the James Robinson valuation prior to the NFL draft. I presume that you're on my side now and you were selling after uh, you realized that we had to sell. But now the situation has completely changed. What are you doing now? Uh, I was selling before we realized we had to sell. I think we were closer than than you know what you what you imagined because I was I was at a point where I think way early on last year I'm like uh, this guy's probably worth the first round pick in season because you're if you're a contender you, running backs are hard to come by. But then you know in the off season people started like this value got to like a first plus and then when it got to first plus I'm like all right well now I'm fine cashing out because I got him for free so. Uh, so I had a big balance. So I had some teams I held them because I knew they were top contenders. I still need a running back. Um, and then a lot of teams I just traded him. So whenever I get into those like types of zones, it just depends on what situation my team is in and I'll cash out or I'll hold and see what happens. Uh, now, you know, he's I mean, he's gone for the entire season. Uh, right. And we kind of saw the workload that James Robinson got last year. It also kind of just depends on what the cost is. I'm still not going to pay a first for him now because, again, I'm just too many question marks. Like, what happens next year? People are always going to be questioning, like, hey, when Etienne comes back, now it's split back bill again. So, again, you have a if you pay a first, that's kind of like, you know, that's the ceiling price that you're going to be able to get from. So, um, I just don't like to get in those types of scenarios. So I think it just depends. And again, it just, like any good, like any good uh, analyst uh, that's going to say anything, they're all going to say it depends. But I think in these situations, it really does depend on like what type of situation your team is in and what kind of price you're getting. Because if you're getting a first for either of these guys, I think you should be taking it. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree with with James Robinson right now. What I'm looking at is he's a one year producer. Like I'm, yeah. I'm buying, if I'm buying him, it's for this year, not for any future mm-hmm. years after that. Yeah. So when I'm looking at other players that I can buy for this year only, there's a lot of cheaper guys that I could just go and buy for this year only. So I'm just going to go buy those guys instead. Mm-hmm. What, what are some, what are some of those guys that you're thinking? Uh, like a miles Gaskin, that guy, he would fall into that, uh, that category for me. I mm-hmm. think that he has kind of a similar projected workload to uh, James Robinson right now. And I think he's probably quite a bit cheaper than James Robinson is as of today. You're not buying the whole uh, the the coach speak about how they got three different roles with three different guys with Miles Gaskin yeah. and and you know whoever the hell is out there Malcolm Brown week one stud. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe sure it could happen, but I mean, there's also Carlos Hyde who I'm like, well, I don't yeah. know that he's not going to get any work in yeah. Jacksonville either. So yeah, it's a totally new coaching regime. So it's, look, a lot of question marks in the air. Whenever there's, whenever there's this many question marks about a player. And you can get a first round pick for him. It's usually like nine times out of ten a good time to cash out. 
So absolutely, that's really the lesson uh, to be learned here. All right. So the new podcast, we are going to be focusing on process. That is the the goal of the show. So what I want to talk to you about now is preseason. What is mm-hmm. your process? How are you filtering out the the noise from the actionable intel? What what are you doing right now? Um, I'm filtering out uh pretty much ninety percent of whatever is being said um in preseason because and, and training camp like all the all the hype pieces like oh like this guy's getting you know this guy could be the next xyz uh, automatically ignore all the coaches that say we got a steal for this guy in the in the he's a first round value in the fourth round uh, i don't care um you know all that type of stuff i really what i focus on a lot is the negative in training camp because like if you think about training camp and and preseason like it is in everyone's interest to build the hype right it's in the nfl's interest it's in the team's interest because they want to they want to be like you know we did we had a really good draft right everyone wants you know put on rosy rose color lenses and go into the season and then for all the beat reporters they always want to talk about the positive because you know if you talk if you always shown a team like the team's not going to talk to you anymore right so it, everyone's incentives are aligned for positive hype speech, right? So that makes the negative stuff that much more important to pay attention to because they have every reason not to say something negative. So a coach has every reason not to say something negative about a player. A beat reporter has every reason not to say negative about a player. So whenever there's like, whenever there's negative stuff, I'm 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 very concerned, right? So you know, so and so is not seeing the field, not getting first team reps. Coach is saying. This guy's got to prove himself and, and blah, blah, blah. Like the Dante Pettis stuff from, from a couple of years ago. Remember everyone said, no, no, no. He's like, he's good. Like this is just Kyle Shanahan motivating him. And what happened? We never heard from him again. So uh, I'm really paying attention to the negative stuff. And then I'm also paying to attention to how uh, teams are being used. Players are being used on first team reps. So uh, when we look at first team splits, so a lot of guys on Twitter do that for me. Like I'm going to be honest. I barely watch preseason games. Like I'll watch it for some entertainment value here and there. Um, but I'm really just looking for what the usage is preseason. Cause that kind of indicates to you at least who's going to get the starter job out the gate. That doesn't mean that they're going to stay the starter, especially at wide receiver, right? Where it's a developmental thing, but especially for running backs, I think it's pretty important to pay attention to uh, that type of stuff. And then I'd say the last part is like, I don't ignore all all positive news, right? Like I like to pay attention to, you know, people always talk about the steady drum beat. What does that mean? It's like you're getting positive news like from everywhere that kind of syncs up. So the coach is saying he's getting used. You're seeing him getting first team reps and you're seeing this over the course of week after week after week. So a good example of that is like Elijah Moore, right? You know, people might want to say like, hey, this guy's all hype. Um, but you hear from the coaches, he's got the draft capital. We know he's got a good profile or a decent enough profile, right, to do well in the NFL. Um, and then you see him out there lining up on the X, uh, which we didn't expect to see. And then the only hiccup was he got hurt for a little bit. But, you know, I like to pay attention to steady beat drums. So if it's just a couple of hype things here and there, I, for the most part, I really just don't care. And like you go on Twitter, what do you see now? Everyone like tweets some fucking video or cut up of their player running in shorts and a T-shirt and being like, see, I told you, told you shouldn't have faded this guy. I'm just like, guys, I don't, I don't care. I just don't care at all. <laughs> Look at the phenomenal shape that this professional athlete is in. <laughs> yeah, he looks yeah, really out like, of place is, there. <laughs> this is baseline expectation, guys. So you know, I get it. Look, we all we all miss football, and everyone loves to do it. Um, and you know, I'm I, I'm sure I've done it before in the past too. But I think this year in, in particular, I'm really just trying to like stay level headed. I'm trying to keep the hype down, especially on my boy Zach Wilson. I'm not trying to like 
you know, I tweeted out the other day, I'm trying not not let the butterfly effect get me, uh, but I am getting a little excited about him. I'm getting excited about him, but getting excited about the Jets. Uh, so you know we're set up for disappointment there. But for the most part, I mean, I try and keep it level-headed. This is great news. I thought that you weren't that into Zach Wilson. I, I, I wasn't, you know, dude. I, I mean, out of all the guys, out of all the guys, I wasn't that into him for fantasy, but like, he just kept falling in my drafts, so I just kept drafting him, you know? And then it's like, <laughs> it's like, look, I, I didn't think he was like, a, a super stud or anything i thought justin fields was better and i thought trey lance was a better bet for fantasy but like i'm not confident enough to draft them like one and two rounds higher so when i'm <laughs> sitting there in the third of a startup and zach wilson's available i'm just like all right well i'm just gonna take this guy because he's he's got job security and you know everyone else says he's pretty good and the numbers say he's can be pretty good so might as well take a shot so i have a lot of zach wilson this he's probably my most drafted quarterback this this season is zach wilson so i'm i'm very much in on zach wilson just because of the cost you know it just seemed like the right thing to do absolutely i think i I think he's a great quarterback i think he's probably going to be possibly like i i think he's right there with trevor lawrence to be the best nfl quarterback in the class Mm -hmm. i don't think he's going to be the best fantasy quarterback in the class because i think your your konami uh research earlier in the year really swayed me because i i was ready to put zach wilson at qb2 and then you're like hey Mm -hmm. slow down <laughs> Look at this Konami stuff. What are you thinking? And I was like, Mike, you know what? You're right. I I, I admit defeat. Zach Wilson will not be my quarterback too. I moved him down to yeah. four, but I still have him higher than pretty much everyone else has him in their overall rankings. Yeah. Where do you have him? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Maybe 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I think he's maybe maybe thirteen. I don't know. He's right there with like uh, like a Tua Tagovailoa or a Baker Mayfield. Like I, th- I think they all have kind of similar profiles. They're not like none of them are really going to be Konami threats yeah. to be top five quarterbacks. But I think they could all be kind of like a little bit of Konami. <laughs> yeah, you know, instead of like four, five, six points per game on the ground, they might get one, two points per game on the ground. Yeah, uh, as opposed to like sense. someone like Mac Jones is going to get zero. So mm-hmm. there's you know degrees of separation there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're we're pretty similar. He's QB thirteen for me as well. Um, but yeah, just it's just like his value is just there, you know. If you're, you're oh, if you're trying to get a rookie quarterback, I mean, I'm not pulling the trigger on Trey Lance or, or Justin Fields in the first round. As much as I love them, I'm not doing that. So I'm just gonna wait till the third and grab Zach Wilson and see what happens. Absolutely. So one other thing I wanted to ask you because you mentioned that you do not or you do pay attention to negative uh, negative training camp buzz, if you will. Yeah. You call it buzz. I don't know what you call that. Buzz kill training camp Jamar buzz kill. Jamar Chase, what are you doing, Jamar Chase? Are you, are you buying? Are you selling? Are you panicking? What are you doing? Well, didn't some news come out about like his baby mama or something today? Yeah, I saw uh, that today. I don't. That's not, but I mean, they that got deleted, and we I never heard it from any like like reputable. I don't, I don't think I panicking. Here, here's the thing, right? Like with wide receivers, it's like you got to like set a baseline expectation. Like I, I don't know about you, but I didn't expect him to just step on the field and light it up because he's not an elite separator, right? He's not a you know he's not a Devonta Smith you know route running god, right? But he. I mean, if you, if you remember back in the day, like, I mean, AJ Brown didn't step on the field and just let up right, right away either. It takes time for these guys. So it's not like I was expecting him to go into the NFL and immediately start burning NFL cornerbacks. So it's like, for, from my perspective, like my expectations, I seem were like in line. Um, so it's like, I'm not really going to move values that much. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not good. Like I'm not sitting here being excited, being like, oh, wow. Like, hooray he's not he's not breaking quarterbacks and all that stuff uh it's just that i'm not going to overreact really to a wide receiver you know going up against nfl corners and and not lighting them up right away yeah no i completely agree i i think that the expectations for some of these rookies are just absurd like his i didn't realize his redraft adp or his uh underdog adp 
was like side by side with T Higgins. And I'm like, this yeah. is absurd. Like, yeah, there's no way that he's going to produce what T Higgins is this year. Next yeah. year. Sure. But not yeah. this year. Yeah. I mean, the best protection against Jamar Chase was just drafting T Higgins, who was also very fucking good. And you should have been doing that anyways. Uh, because I mean, there was, there was always that possibility. I would argue even probability that T Higgins outproduces Jamar Chase out of the gate. I mean, so, I mean, that's just expected, right? That's how the yeah. wide receiver development curve works. And it's not like T Higgins is a scrub. So uh, I was always a big fan of acquiring T Higgins um, because I honestly, I could not draft Jamar Chase this year. Like I just every startup went into, it'd be like the third round and he'd be gone. And it'd be like, he'd be like wide receiver five. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I like Jamar Chase, but I don't like him that much. So I, I have like no Jamar Chase on my dynasty teams. And it kind of makes me sad. Honest. maybe you'll get some next year yeah maybe th- maybe this will be a slow start he yeah. will he will possibly face plant just because of the sky high expectations yeah and you'll get the buy-in next year and it's gonna be great because if he face plants i'm not really that worried depends how he face plants yeah if he yeah. face plants while meeting my expectations i'm not that worried about it yeah if he face plants with like 200 yards like a brian edwards i'm, oh, I'm yeah, very concerned <laughs> yeah i'll be very worried if jamar okay. chase has 200 yards we, we got problems Oh yeah, for sure. So let's get into a little bit of your process. What is like your go-to, like everybody knows Mike for this. What's your thing? Uh, Probably just like the game theory aspect. You know, I mean, nobody really comes to me and like, yeah, that guy's the best talent evaluator, like the best prospect evaluator. That's probably you. They probably go to you for that. Uh, Let me stop you right there because I've read on Twitter that you are in fact a pro scout. So if that's (laughs) not the case, then we've... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, look, I mean, there, there's there's levels to this, right? There, there's pro scouts. Uh, you know, I'm obviously one of them. Uh, but obviously. there's there's levels to this. Um, so look, I, when it comes to film, um, my Twitter handle would suggest that I'm the best. But you know, in real talk, like obviously, film is not really my thing. It's not really your thing either. There's plenty of people out there that do it much better than both of us, and you know, we kind of rely on them uh, as part of our process. But I think, you know, personally, in terms of playing fantasy, like. You know, I started off, I didn't start off as like someone that came on Twitter was like, hey, I'm going to be a fantasy content creator. I was just a guy. I was like literally talking shit with Ray. I was talking shit with Garrett Price from Dynasty Nerds. I would like jump in their mentions and argue with them about players as if I knew anything, which I didn't, obviously. Um, but, you know, I kind of started playing. Like I'm in like 30 leagues now. I play like 30 leagues year, year over year. And like a lot of that is just pre- me putting like what I learned from practice and then trying to like, preach that to people so a lot of that's just game theories like how i study my league mates um how i navigate drafts and how i like basically create demand for certain assets or try and corner certain assets uh within the marketplace within each of my own league so i think that's really what i'm all about is more about like the game theory aspects i think that's a that's something that just doesn't get covered that much because like you think about like fantasy content you go on twitter you go on youtube uh what do you see like it's like you know top five best wide receivers top five running backs or all these random and it's all players based right but not very many people are talking about the game theory aspect and the economics behind the game like the game within a game uh that just people aren't focusing on i think there's a major edge to be realized there and people are getting smarter you know there's there's definitely other people that are uh you know following suit on following suit on some of this stuff but i think that still remains like one of the most undercovered and underutilized uh aspect of fantasy sounds good so can you give us an example of like uh you know, game theory and practice. Who who did it work out on? Who who is who is your shining example of do this? Um, yeah. So I mean, it's just the like how I how I control like rookie rookie drafts in my leagues. So Ooh, that's a good topic. Um, Tell me that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I talk about this concept. It's, I call it the Iron Bank. And, you know, if you haven't watched Game, Game of Thrones, the Iron Bank is just something that you can just keep drawing on over and over again. And for me, that's that's really just accumulating rookie assets. And how I do that is, you know, I go into startup and I do a lot of trading back. And it's getting a little bit harder now because everybody's kind of doing this. But, you know, a couple of years ago when I first started doing this, uh, not very many people were because everyone wanted to win year one. So, you know, I would accumulate, I would leave the startup draft for like three or four future first round picks. And then that basically uh, allows you to control the market. Because if you think about it, right, every year there's 12 first round picks if you play in a 12 team league, right? And if you own four to five of those picks, you own one third of the market, right? That's not the majority of the market, but it kind of acts as the majority market because unless someone else in your league also has three to four first round picks, those other eight picks will be spread amongst you know six to eight people so everyone will have one pick right and if you think about the dynamic that creates in your rookie drafts is you're gonna have multiple anchor points in the draft you might have a couple early picks or make a mid pick and a late pick so you're gonna be able to like navigate the draft and get whatever players you want but like if you think about the perspective of someone that only has one pick they only have one shot to get their guy and everyone everybody wants to get their guy in the rookie draft right so they're not going to be willing to trade that pick so if someone wants to move up or down or get by into the draft, who are they going to come to? They're going to come to the guy with four picks that can get one or two of their guys and still capitalize. So every year in some of my most dominant leagues, uh, like I would start off with a productive struggle in year one where like I would basically punt year one and then year two, I would just have a dominant team. And then my team is just like so dominant that I just put on cruise control and basically don't have to do anything um, because, you know, when I'm sitting there in the rookie draft, it's like, okay, well, I'm sitting at 1.03. I know player XYZ are at, you know, six, eight, and nine, and they're missing a wide receiver running back. So I know who they're going to go. So I can trade back four spots and still get my guy while adding like a future first or future second. And I take that initial three or four first round picks and I keep rolling it forward and forward and forward into the iron bank. And every year I just have like three or four picks. And every year I control the rookie draft until I'd like turn the flick, flick on and I'm like, okay, well now I'm the most dominant team in the league and I'm just going to like, you know, draft a bunch of running backs and just go ham. So, you know, that's kind of the process that I've gone through and how I've been able to build a lot of dominant teams. And that's just one example um, of, of game theory at play, but you know, it, it, that's like the example of cornering the rookie picks, uh, but you can corner other stuff. You know, you can corner quarterbacks, you can corner tight ends. The only thing you can't corner is wide receivers because there's so many of them, but just understanding, you know, those types of dynamics and, you know, the, the resource scarcity aspect of fantasy football, I think is a, something that I've basically just capitalized on like year after year after year. I love it. Uh, I think that uh, when you're pretty good at, you know, scouting, pro scouting the rookies as well those picks are are a lot more valuable in your hands than anybody else in your league's hands so yeah. not only are you cornering the market and maneuvering and like manipulating the drop board to get what you want you're also probably outperforming your you know your your league mates in the draft itself mm -hmm. so it's just yeah it's winning on both ends i love it yeah so when you're manipulating the draft board who is the guy this year in 2021 which was the rookie that you were targeting the most uh, i'm gonna be honest i wasn't really targeting anyone i was i just went into every single draft not to lie the one the one rookie i was targeting the most at everyone was rashad bateman because he was falling to the second round and unfortunately got freaking hurt so that sucks for a wide receiver uh, but I still believe my process is pretty sound. I mean, it's the first round draft capital wide receiver. The only box he didn't check was size, uh, but he wasn't like, you know, he's not like tiny. He's not like a, 
Tutu Atwell. You know, he just wasn't a, you know, he just wasn't a Jamar Chase, basically. Um, so, and everyone kind of just said, look, he got drafted by Baltimore, so he's fucked. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, I mean, that's fine for redraft, right? And that's fine for, for this year, but like, I don't know what's going to happen year two and three. So when it comes to wide receiver, typically, I just, I just pay for talent and, you know, getting someone of that caliber, um, you know, in the second round just felt like stealing every time. So I got him in a lot of drafts. I think one of the most amazing things that people just like complete dissonant, like inconsistency across the board from fantasy gamers is I don't want Rashad Bateman because low pass volume. Meanwhile, give me AJ Brown because he's good. It's mm-hmm. like, well, the, the pass volume isn't actually all that different between the two. Last year it was. Yeah. Like the Lamar Jackson and the and the Ravens passed less than they did the prior year, a yeah. lot less. But the prior year, they were the exact same as the Titans. And the Titans mm-hmm. have been the same for like four or five years now. Mm-hmm. So we're probably actually talking about similar volume between Rashad Bateman and AJ Brown. And people are like, I don't, I don't want Rashad Bateman because of the lowest pass volume. But AJ Brown's my wide receiver one. And it's just like Yeah. Well, look, I like both. Uh, unfortunately so look we'll see what happens uh you know it definitely sucks that he got injured but i just felt like he was just such a steal and then obviously you know zach wilson who wasn't didn't start as my favorite but just ended up being my favorite because the cost was just too good every time yeah it was amazing it just felt like there's this this class was like really i shouldn't say top heavy but like deep at the top yeah if that makes sense like there wasn't yeah. any like genuine superstars in my well there's a couple but the first three or four picks were like genuine superstars and then we mm-hmm. just had like a whole bunch of really good players after that yeah yeah, and then exactly. it just fell off the map and there was nothing in the mid-second round and beyond. Oh, yeah. It was brutal. After, after like, pick 15 was just a train wreck. Absolutely. So who who's the rookie that's going to just go out and dominate this year in redraft? Dude, I or think... who do you like at the redraft ADP? Maybe that's a bit oh, better way. I mean, yeah. Who do I like at redraft ADP? Um, who have I been drafting in a lot of my underdog stuff? I've been drafting a lot of Terrace Marshall. Uh, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I've been drafting a lot of Terrace Marshall. He's been going to, like, the double-digit rounds. Just one of those wide receivers that I felt was interesting probably a pretty high vault pass volume offense um and you know the only guy really standing in his way is robbie anderson even with robbie anderson there there's a chance that he kind of produces he was someone that uh i don't know how you felt about him uh coming out as a prospect you know he's kind of that he's kind of one of those guys where you have to make some excuses for but the excuses kind of made sense as well um but yeah, he's just been super cheap, and you know he's just one been one of those guys in the late rounds that I've been grabbing a lot of. That's it's funny that you said you don't know how I feel about him because you kind of had to make excuses for him. My my process hates him. Like he's a bust mm-hmm. tier wide mm-hmm. receiver in my process, yeah. but my process doesn't or my grades don't necessarily agree to my ranks all the time. You know we apply yeah. context when ranking players. Yeah, and I had my wife helping me build the bulletproof fantasy football rookie guide, and I just had it like copy and paste in the rankings from the. Mm-hmm patron uh rankings and she's like hey she like called me she's like hey i i messed up the the rankings i don't know what i did wrong with this this terrace marshall guy is out of place where is he supposed to be and i was like what do you mean she's like well he's at like i forget where i had him i don't know 12 or 13 in uh in a super flex league and she's like yeah he like he he's a bust and he's he's with all the other guys i'm like <laughs> yeah i know he's supposed to be there it's okay <laughs> that's on purpose <laughs> yeah it's so funny that my wife who does nothing about fantasy football or football <laughs> at all she probably can't even name five nfl teams is like this terrace marshall guy shouldn't be here right <laughs> <laughs> look sometimes we just had gotta go with our gut you know got gotta make some contextual adjustments well it, it's just like the the alabama one doesn't i have a hard time getting on board with the alabama one because we didn't see jerry judy and henry ruggs be awesome if mm-hmm. either guy had come out and just been an absolute superstar like justin jefferson mm-hmm. i'd be like yeah okay yeah you know what 
the the Alabama thing is true. These players are all too good to cancel each other out, but they didn't. So then I was like, I don't know. Like maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Maybe we're in the same position we were last year, where it's like I don't know what to do with these guys. Maybe. Yeah. But we saw Justin Jefferson come to the NFL and set the freaking record, so yeah. we know he's good. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Anyways, it's a pretty good chance that Terrace Marshall is not going to bust, I don't think. And I don't think he's going to be a face planter. Of the face planters from the 2020 rookie class, mm-hmm. who are, in, like, I know you would never do this because you're way too smart for this, but some people out there want to buy face planters. And I need you to tell them which one to buy, just just in case, because it's fun, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. you can buy a face planter and they hit, and you get to throw that on my face forever. Yeah. Here are your options Jalen Rieger, Henry Ruggs, Keyshawn Vaughn, Denzel Mims, Brian Edwards. Which is the guy that's going to come back and haunt me for the rest of my life? Man, I mean, I think you're you're pretty safe. Uh, but if I had to get one, I I think I'd probably just go with Brian Edwards because he's free and uh, he doesn't really cost me anything. And also, he was pretty much injured for the most more for the most of the year. And if you're gonna bet on a face planter, it better have like at least an injury tag on it so that it can help your case. And it doesn't help your case by much. But it help you, helps your case a little bit. I think Henry Ruggs, like you still got to go out there and like pay a second for him. I'm seeing people like pay seconds for Henry Ruggs. I'm like, no thanks. That's gonna be a no for me. Uh, running backs that flop, no thanks. I was not. I was not a fan of Keyshawn Vaughn coming in. So the fact that he's flopped just makes me not want to touch him ever. Uh, Denzel Mims could like barely get on the field. I know like he came out and said the reason why he can get on the field. Uh, but he was injured too. So maybe, maybe between Brian Edwards and Denzel Mims, you have to fire something. Uh, those would be the ones. Uh, but I would try and just get the cheapest one, to be honest. Fair enough. Crazy stat of the day. Denzel Mims had like a 19.7% target share last year and did not. And I know that. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Wild. Yeah. When he was, when he was actually playing. So, you know, <laughs> probably one of those guys, but, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe Zach Wilson, you know, sprinkles a little magical fairy dust on him and then they kind of go to town together. But I mean, now he's got, I mean, Corey Davis, he's got Corey Davis there. He's got Elijah Moore there. It just, just seems like not a great recipe. Whereas like Brian Edwards, I mean, Brian Edwards really just has Henry Ruggs ahead of him. I mean, neither of them will ever surpass Darren Waller to God, but he really just has Henry Ruggs. So, I mean, that's a lot, a lot, little hurdle to much smaller hurdle to, surpass all right so you kind of answered my next question already i was going to ask you who was the obvious face planner from last year's class that you knew on day one he was going to face plant sounds like that was Keyshawn vaughn yeah Keyshawn vaughn or henry ruggs i mean i felt like those are just two players i was like yeah i'm just not going to touch these guys because it, it doesn't make any sense so it's funny because i i had to defend my cam Akers stance last year to the patients yeah. they, were, they were they came at me they're like I've been hearing that Keyshawn Vaughn is just discount cam acres. And, and, yeah, and there is some like no. surface level similarities. Yeah. And I like went through it and it was just like tore Keyshawn Vaughn apart. And they're like, well, we're never going to draft Keyshawn Vaughn. And I was like, no, yeah. don't draft Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. Yes. I think the Keyshawn, the Keyshawn Vaughn love the, the problem with Keyshawn Vaughn love. I remember this very clearly is that it was so tied to Ronald Jones hatred that like <laughs> every point that came up, like the top, every guy that liked Keyshawn Vaughn in their top three was like, yo, all he has to do is beat Ronald Jones. All he has to do is beat Ronald Jones. And look, I wasn't a big Ronald Jones fan, but like, I'm also, I wasn't also that confident. Like this is a third round dude who, you know, was, is old, who's old. First of all, he came in as like basically a geriatric running back already. Um, but yeah, I think that was just, those are just a couple obvious ones for me. Yeah. I think he's actually about the same age as Ronald Jones and Jones yeah. has been in the league for yeah. two Ronald Jones years. was incredibly young when he came in. And, you know, I went from Ronald Jones hater to Ronald Jones tolerator uh, to this year, 
Ronald Jones acquirer, I guess. I mean, I have a lot of him in underdogs, best ball. Um, and I think even in Dynasty, I'm, I'm fine with some acquiring a little bit of Ronald Jones. Fair enough. All right, so who is the obvious face planner from the 2021 class? You're predicting the future now. When I have you on next year, this day, this very day next year, mm-hmm. who are we going to talk about in the face planner category? Who is the guy? Hmm. Let me let me refresh my memory here with the 2021 class, but I'm pretty sure the one that I did not get any shares of is Michael Carter. <laughs> it's probably a good choice not to get any shares of. I I I would 100% agree with you on that one. Yeah, because I remember like he started getting to the second round. I'm like, ah man, I don't know. And then he got into the first round. I'm like, okay, well that's an easy decision for me. I'm I'm just never gonna draft him. Uh, and I look, I get it. You know, there's a lot of like vision stuff, and you know the Jets would have taken him in the third round or whatever, whatever excuse you want to make up for him. Uh, I just it just seems like that it just seems like the odds are stacked against you already, right? When you're a day day three running back, um, and then now you're a day three running back on a probably a, a at best a mediocre scoring team, I would say, right? Even though both of you and I love Zach Wilson, I think Zach Wilson can show flashes, and that team could still not really be a high end fantasy producer. There's just there's just too many question marks there uh, for me, and he doesn't really profile as like a top that'll ever be like a workhorse or anything in the, in the NFL. So I think he's probably someone that I just, it just didn't make sense. Right. Cause you had to, you had to pass on, uh, you had to pass on Rashad Bayman. You had to pass on like an Elijah Moore uh, in order to draft him. So I just wasn't going to do that. Absolutely. Somebody had an, a hilarious meme on Twitter. I don't know how long it was, maybe this week sometime, I think. And it was like, Michael Carter is a day three pick and yeah. Michael Carter is not a workhorse in college. Yeah. And Michael Carter is playing in a system that does not feature the running back. And then they're like, and Michael Carter is a workhorse? Question mark. (laughs) It's like, yeah, there's just nothing lining up here that gives me any confidence that he is going to hold down a major role in any offense at any point in time, let alone the Jets offense. Yeah. Well, what about you? Who's your, who's your like ultimate, you know, you know, fade? of 2021 uh, I, I would probably say michael carter but if i had to pick one at cost like a more expensive one i, I would go with trace Sermon. i don't think that he's going oh, to uh, yeah. be special by any stretch and yeah I, like there's just there's nothing no part of me there's no there's no way to look at the trace Sermon profile and say this is a good player no it, way at all what about i mean you and i are both big fans of grand barfield's work grand barfield loves trace Sermon. uh he, i had him on the pod and you know in his limited sample trace Sermon was top of the, i think it's like second in the glass in yards created per attempt is that a positive data point for you that you consider at all or are you just like it's not enough that's not enough to overturn all the other stuff that i've seen yeah that's like one data point i, I do like grand barfield's work and i use it in my process but yeah. there's a whole bunch of other data points that say trace Sermon isn't good including I believe his uh, miss, uh, how do they were it? Force missed tackles per attempt, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. W- yeah. Wasn't very good in Graham Barfield's charting. He was just like, uh, you know, once in a while he'd break a tackle and run a really long ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably comes down to the fact he had like two or 300 yards in what, two games at towards the yeah. end of the year? Yeah. Those are coming from long runs where you break a tackle and you run for 100 yards and it just goes into your yards created per attempt. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's definitely a very expensive one. I mean, there was a time when Trey Sermon and and Michael Carter were like going in the same range. I think that time has gone and passed. Uh, so I, I agree with you. That's a lot more risk on the Trey Sermon profile. So I mean, that's that would have been my other pick. I mean, the obvious easy one is always Kadarius Tony, but I think people have hit on him so much that like yeah. that's just like his cause doesn't even matter anymore if you if you miss. So yeah, if you want to get a little bit more risky, I think you know those are two guys where you know you're taking a lot of risk basically. Yeah, Kadarius Tony is. You're right. Kadarius Tony is the obvious. Like, <laughs> I will absolutely never draft this player. I shouldn't say never. I I think I well, I obviously had him ranked. I drafted so, like, him once. I didn't have him ranked. I drafted him once because he was in, like, the, was in the like the fourth round or something, or like the bottom of the third or something. Uh, honestly, I think I have him in like two leagues, and I yeah. think it was maybe auto drafted. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so. Th- one of the things that I really lean into in Dynasty, especially, and, well, and in Redraft, probably the, the biggest place that you can make money, I think, is in buying the sophomore receivers that are about to mm-hmm. explode. Because we know rookie receivers don't usually explode, but yeah. we generally see the really good sophomores absolutely erupt. Who's your guy? Who's your super sophomore that you are taking this year? Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I have a lot of a lot of Brandon Ayuk. I got in on him a little bit earlier, and it's funny because, like, you know, I, I whiffed totally on Brandon Ayuk, but this is like, like you said, my process allows me to kind of like fade those guys in year one because like a lot of people faded them. So then when they hit in year one, everyone's very reluctant to change. So their price reflects that. Whereas I'm willing to pivot like completely 180 when I realize I'm wrong. So uh, I did that for, I did that for Brandon Ayuk this year and I did that for Chase Claypool as well. Um, I know you're not as high on Chase Claypool, but I, I think Brandon Ayuk is just a, just like a smash spot. You know, everything kind of aligns. His production align, his scoring align, his role just makes a lot of sense. Like he, him as the X receiver, uh, as the deep threat to kind of combo with with George Kittle, and it just you know it, it's hard to be that impressive. You know, people are gonna hate on him and say, well, he he needed George Kittle to get hurt, or he needed Debo Samuel to get hurt. Uh, but at the end of the day, when they're hurt, you still need to step up to the plate and like produce efficiently, right? We're not talking if he went out there and accumulated a bunch of stats like Calvin Benjamin Buffet style, you know, and just just ate up a couple inefficient yards here or there, I would not be as high on him as I am. But the fact remains he went out there as a rookie and balled out and dusted, you know, the top cornerback from the opposing squads immediately into that you know, X receiver role. That's very, people don't realize it's very hard to do, right? Who do we, who do people love? They love CD lamb, right? They love CD lamb, but CD lamb didn't go out there in year one and, and ball out in the X receiver spot. Uh, he went out there mostly from the slot and that's, that's what most players do, right? Even Michael Thomas, right? One of the most prolific producers in year one, he came in and he got to play second fiddle to Brandon cook, right? Brandon cooks. Uh, and typically that's the route you get, but Ayuk didn't have that. There was no receiver to take the alpha cornerback off him. There was no receiver to draw the coverage to give him easier snaps. He was that guy, and he went out there, and he still balled out. So I think it just – this is one where it doesn't – don't even need to overthink it that much. I, I have so much Brandon Ayuk. He w- when he was going like in the fifth, sixth round, just auto-pick every time. Every time in the fifth, sixth round, pick. Every time in the fifth, sixth round, pick. And it just it just works out. And I traded for him as well. I made like – I trade down. So – you talk about you know targeting sophomore wide receivers. I use I make that a big part of my trading strategy, where I take that elite tier of wide receiver and I trade down into this these sophomores that I think are going to explode, and I get like a future first round pick on top. And that's just been that's just how I print money in Dynasty. You know, right before 
DeAndre Hopkins was 28 years old. I took DeAndre Hopkins to trade him for DK Metcalf and Calvin Ridley. Right before, you know, Devontae Adams turned 20 years old. I take him and I trade him for, you know, a younger wide receiver plus a first. You know, this past year, I was trying to trade down for T. Higgins plus a first using a lot of the top end wide receivers. And I think that's just one of the easiest things you can do in Dynasty um, because. At the end of the day, wide receivers rarely matter that much, and we rarely know how they finish. So getting that first-round juicer on top is sweet. So I've been able to do that this year with Brandon Ayuk. I just, I mean, I made a trade the other day with, uh, a couple weeks ago. It was like Calvin Ridley plus a 2022 first for like Brandon Ayuk plus like a second or something. And, you know, those are the types of deals I'm looking to make all, all day long. Yeah, absolutely. When you're talking about like the um, the wide receiver and like how, how deep it is, I guess, essentially, there's like a handful of guys that have like the huge like 27, 28, 30 percent target shares. Those are your yeah. your Hopkins and your Adams and so on and so forth. But then everyone after that from like six through 25, 35, yeah. it's like any given year who scored the most touchdowns, like who had the yeah. highest touchdown rate. That's who yeah. gets sorted in that realm. You can't predict that it's. Just if you don't have the superstar that's Hopkins or Adams or Michael Thomas or whomever it is, just trade down in that bucket and grab yeah. the guy that you think might be good next year. Yeah. Because they're all going to be basically the same unless you hit the home run and you get a Devontae Adams. Yeah. You could probably go out there right now and trade, you know, AJ Brown for Rand Nayuk in a 2022, 2023 first. And that's a good deal, man. That's, that's oh, going to be, sure. you're going to look back two years from now and you're going to be like, damn, there's a chance that Brandon Nayuk is the same value as AJ Brown and then you just got a free first on top. And even if he isn't, you're protected by the first. So those are the types of trades you should be looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to talk a little bit more about Brandon Ayuk because there, there is a, just a ton of pushback every time that I talk about Brandon Ayuk. What about the uh, the Shanahan offense and how they only feature the, let's say, George Kittle in this case? Because every time that I post it, it's like, ah, they only feature the X receiver. Shanahan's X. It's like, yeah. well, that's Brandon Ayuk. They're like, ah, they only focus George Kittle. They're only going to pass to George Kittle. I'm like, well... Was it the X or was it George Kittle? How, yeah, do you, look, how do you see this whole thing shifting with and with Debo Samuel mixing in as well? Yeah, De- Debo Samuel, I think, I mean, what we saw from his usage is he's he's basically a running back, right? I mean, if you look at his A dot, I mean, he's not pushing down the field at all. And then if you look at Matt Hartman, Matt Hartman's breakdown of Debo Samuel, this guy could not win versus press coverage like at all. And it's not surprising because, you know, he's a great yak player. I'm not saying he's a bad football player. I'm not even saying Debo Samuel is a bad bet at his cost because he's very cheap. But I don't think him and Brandon Ayuk are in the same stratosphere as players. I mean, they just they're just not even close to the same player and they don't serve the same roles. And, you know, people want to talk about George Kittle. George Kittle is incredible, right? But if you think about it, like who who has which wide receiver has George Kittle played with that that's been uh, that's been elite? Are we talking Dante Pettis? Are we talking Kendrick Bourne? <laughs> are we talking you know who are we talking about here? Because George Kittle, as great as he is, one of the best tight ends in the league. You know, you could say arguably one of the best tight ends, and he's my dynasty tight end one. But at the end of the day, like you know, there weren't good wide receivers, and it's, it's the same argument that I saw. You know, you see with Baltimore, it's like well, Lamar Jackson can't throw. Okay, sure, but who was Lamar Jackson throwing to? His best receiver was Hollywood Brown. He had no possession receivers. So, again, I think talent really dictates a lot of this. And, you know, what? I, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, like, do you believe Brandon Ayuk is a good player? And I think it's very hard to look at his rookie season and say that he's not a good player from every data point. You know, PFF grade, Matt Harmon's reception perception, rookie production, you know, yards per route run. Like, anything you look at there. He was, by all accounts, a stud. So if I'm buying on him and I'm buying on the talent, like the rest of the stuff figures itself out, right? Because, you know, our wide receivers earn their targets. I'm a true believer of that, and I know you are as well. You know, they're not granted. So at the end of the day, I think 
this offense can absolutely support two guys. And if Shanahan is this godsend coach, you know, everyone talks about Shanahan. He's, he's the best coach or whatever. He's a great offensive mind. He, he gets the most out of his players. You think he's going to take his best weapon and just put him on the bench? Like, it doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, I, do I think Shanahan's a god? No, but I think he's a very capable coach. He's shown that he's done, you know, well enough, uh, one of the better offensive minds, at least slightly above average. And I think if you're going to bet on Shanahan, then you're betting on Shanahan to be rational and make the right choice. And the right choice is to put the ball in the hands of his best playmakers. And his best playmakers are George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. So, uh, you know, I think it's a very, very clear to me, at least, uh, that it's a great opportunity. Absolutely. So are you, uh, there's a lot of talk about, you know, rookie quarterbacks and not mm-hmm. really having a lot of passing yards. Are you concerned about that this year with Brown and Ayuk or are you yeah, coming I, to breaks in 2021 or are we all in? No, I, th- I mean, look, I think it, it, it would be, it'd be naive to say that like, I'm not worried about the passing yards at all uh, because, you know, JJ Zacharyson has put out very strong data indicating that rookie quarterbacks do impact stuff. But again, we're playing dynasty. I'm playing dynasty is a two to three year. Uh, it's a two to three year window here. And even in low passing volume offenses, though, you can have superstars. And I think Brandon Ayuk has the ability to do that. But at the same time, you're not paying superstar prices for him. So it's like you're not really taking on that risk unnecessarily, right? You're not, it's not like a situation like Jamar Chase, right? You're, like I said, we, we both love Jamar Chase as a prospect, but you're paying, you know, second round, sometimes third round startup draft capital for him. And for wide receivers, that is extremely high. There's very little room for them to grow. Like Justin Jefferson broke the rookie receiving record. He does not go in the first round of startup drafts. So so that gives you an idea of the type of cap that you put on yourself when you draft someone in the third. But Brandon Ayuk, when you draft him in the fifth, you draft him in the sixth, like you're not, you're not taking on the same amount of risk. So do I do I see that there's risk there? Absolutely. There's a range of outcomes. And you know, one of those ranges is is maybe he does not, you know, hit that elite tier this year because Trey Lance starts and, and the passing volume comes down. But then there's also the side of the coin where maybe Trey Lance is really good or maybe Jimmy Garoppolo starts more games than uh, than we think. And Brandon Ayuk does kind of hit uh, that upper end of his range of outcomes. And then, you know, you're not going to be able to acquire him anymore. So uh, I think that's kind of where I lie on that whole thing is like it'd be foolish to not recognize the risks and, you know, to recognize that it's within that probable range of outcomes or possible range of outcomes. But at the same time, it's like the cost is already baked in. You know, that that feels like that's already baked into me. Absolutely. There's a world out there where the where the offense just smashes. Mm-hmm. And I would rather just get into Brandon Ayuk, a good player at his current cost, than risk missing out on it. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't smash, Brandon Ayuk's still a good player. So I'm still sitting on a good player. Who cares? Yeah, I'll just exactly. sit on him another year until exactly. Trey Lance is no longer rookie and we have fully unlocked 49ers offense. Let's go. Anyways, so one of the, uh, how do I put this? One of the keys, I, in my opinion, for Dynasty is that there's a point in time where veterans become a buy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and most people in Dynasty are like, ah, youth, 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 youth. But eventually there's a point where you flip the player from a sell because they're getting old to a buy because they're old and they're still playing. Players mm-hmm. that are old and are still playing still usually produce. You, usually you don't have an old player sitting on the bench. Maybe that's the mm-hmm. way to put it. Yeah. Who are you buying this year? Who who can I backfill my roster with? I have rosters with tons of draft picks, but I need some actual players to go out and score fantasy points. Who am I buying at a discount? Um, I Let mean, me Keenan Allen. Like Keenan Allen just... Oh, I don't know why he's always so cheap, but he is. Like I think I I did a fourteen round. Uh, I'm in a draft right now with like Graham Barfield and you know Justin Boone and the undroppable guys, um, and like you know all these industry guys. 
And I think I got Keenan Allen in like the fifth or sixth round of like a 14 team startup. And like, I didn't draft any wide receivers. I'm like, okay, well, Keenan Allen's my wide receiver one because he's always a wide receiver one. Uh, so I'm happy with that. So I think Keenan Allen is someone that's maybe a little bit on the more expensive side that you can grab very easily. I think on the cheaper side, I mean, Julio Jones, this is like top five wide receiver all time all time right so the the normal rules do not apply uh to someone like julio jones like he on a per game base people are gonna be like ah, oh, well he's gonna get hurt like fine i don't care i mean i don't care if he gets hurt i just care that in the games i start him he produces and that's all he's done his entire career you know for all the all the injured narratives that have gone on julio jones all he's done is produce on a points per game basis year after year after year and to me that's all that matters at the wide receiver position now he gets to go with Ryan Tannehill, who I think is a better quarterback than than Matt Ryan, in an offense with a hyper concentrated target share, right? It's I mean, there's there's no one else. There's literally no one else. Who are you going to throw to? Anthony Ferkser, Josh Reynolds? No, like it's Julio Jones and it's AJ Brown. And there is in that range of outcomes, there's a there's a decent chance that Julio Jones is the top wide receiver of the offense, right? There's a there's a decent chance that Julio Jones gets more targets than AJ Brown. That that is a very realistic possible uh scenario. And he's someone you could get for a second round pick. And I always talk about, you know, you, you I think you put it a good way, but the way I think about it is I always trade away uh players when they're I always trade away players before they hit the age cliff when it comes to value so for dynasty that's like around age 27 age 28 for wide receivers right and then i buy them back when their production uh exceeds their uh value so basically there's if you think about the timeline right you're chugging along this timeline and first it hits the the value cliff right but the value cliff doesn't mean they produce less it just means that dynasty gamers value them a lot less regardless of production and then they keep going there's another three, four, sometimes five years before the true production age cliff hits. So, you know, Julio Jones, that, that production age cliff is coming. It's coming soon, but it's not here yet for a player of his caliber because, you know, the, the general rule of players falling off after 31, 32 just doesn't apply when you're when you're one of the best players ever, in, in, my, in my opinion. In my opinion, so I think Julio Jones is just a very good uh, contender buy for anyone. No, I completely agree. I think there's a lot of you know, like uh, Larry Fitzgerald is one of the best wide receivers of all time. He played mm-hmm. well into his 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty sure that a guy like Jerry Rice played a long time as well. Like these these players that are that yeah. are like not to throw out the cliche, but like they're built different, right? Like they they obviously got to where they are because they did things different than everyone else. They're probably yeah. going to continue doing it differently than everyone else. So just yeah. buy in, ride it out, ride them off into the sunset. That's my opinion yeah. on on players like that. I'm not yeah, buying people, everyone who gets to that age, but I'm yeah. certainly interested in a player like Julio Jones. So and and yeah. to your point about uh, who's going to be the top receiver in Tennessee, I I would honestly say it's it's equal. They're going to be absolutely mm-hmm. dead equal, or Julio will be better. I don't think AJ Brown's going to have more targets than Julio Jones this year. I think either Julio has more or they have the same. I mean, that's look, but yeah, that's definitely within the range of outcomes and you're getting Julio at a fraction of the cost and people probably will laugh and say, well, you can't compare him to Jerry Rice, who's the greatest wide receiver ever. Well, who else am I going to compare him to? Bums? Like they're the <laughs> most comparable players are other players of that caliber. So it absolutely is fair to compare him to a, a Jerry Rice and a Larry Fitzgerald because that is the class of wide receiver that we're talking about uh, when it comes to Julio Jones. And I think the last guy I want to throw out there, though, is, is Brandon Cooks. I, I think Ooh, Brandon it. Cooks is just is someone who is just a great purchase because there's always an people always create an excuse for why he's not good. 
You know, it's like, it's like, oh, well, you know, he's got concussions. All right. Well, last year he went out there and put up, you know, 1,100 yards. Uh, again, just like five out of seven seasons, 1,100 over 1,000 yards. And now it's like, oh, well, you know, he had Deshaun Watson. Okay. Well, I mean, let's look at what he did with Jared Goff, right? I mean, not, we're not, I'm not, I'm not like saying that Brandon Cooks didn't get great, great quarterbacks. He played with Tom Brady, played with Drew Brees, played with Deshaun Watson, but he also played with Jared Goff, right? He, he made that offense too. And again, this is just, at what point do we give this guy credit for the production versus creating excuses for why he produced? I think it just doesn't make any sense. And again, that's another offense that's just completely devoid of receiving talent. Like who the hell else are they going to throw it to? Kiki Kuti, who's going to be supposedly, you know, whatever year breakout that he's going to be in. No, like th- this is Brandon cooks. And if you're worried about concussions, which you should be, but again, you're just not paying the, the cost. Like for, you're not paying the same cost for someone that's produced this much. Like Brandon Cooks is an elite producer and has returned, smashed, smashed his draft capital, right? In every, uh, in every way. And for whatever reason, we just don't like him still. So I think those are three guys that if you're looking to fill up some depth in your wide receiver core, you faded wide receiver early. Those are the types of guys that you should really be going for um, to kind of round out that production for you. Perfect. I, I love the Cooks call. I saw a, a Twitter poll today and it was, who would you rather have this year? Not Dynasty, this year, Darnell Mooney or Brandon Cooks. And Darnell Mooney was actually winning the vote with like no. hundreds of votes at one point. No way. And I commented on it because I could not believe it. I was like, man, Darnell Mooney must have like an enormous family that is heavily involved in the Twitter polls community because it's the only yeah. explanation for the results here. Like That makes no sense to me. I mean, again, it's just people want to go for the youth, but at the end of the day, Brandon Cooks is still 28 years old, man. Come on. This guy's a stud. It's crazy. Okay, so everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. We are new, or everybody was new at fantasy football at one point. What was your biggest mistake as a fantasy gamer? Biggest mistake as a fantasy gamer. Um, it doesn't have to be like a particular like trade or draft or anything, just like a general philosophy mistake. For me, I'll give you mine. My yeah. biggest mistake, I was buying face planners left and right when I started. Oh, that is what, yeah, yeah. That is what put me down the line of what the hell hit rate do these face planners actually have? Because I, yeah. like, I started playing Dynasty in 2015, maybe. Yeah. And by like 2017, I had Josh Doxson and Corey Coleman and Kevin White and Laquan Treadwell all, all on all of my teams because mm-hmm. I was reading the, you know, the Twitter, the articles or what have you. And they, everybody said, go and buy these, you know, discount first rounders. And I, was like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, can't expect them to dominate in year one. Yeah. And then once I started running the numbers, I was like, man, these are bad bets. Yeah. This is a train wreck. Why, why yeah. would anybody suggest this? Anyways, yeah. that's my story. What's your story? Yeah, I think, look, that I think everyone kind of makes that mistake because you go with the mindset. Everyone says it like, buy low, sell high, buy low, sell high. And it's like, no, like you get what you pay for. So nowadays <laughs> I'm like, look, I'm perfectly happy buying high because there's still a lot of high to go. You know, it's kind of like I do this analogy all the time, but it's like crypto, right? It, it, I talked to all my friends, talk, I talked to them they're like, yo, like, I know you got it on crypto. It's like, I want to get in now, but like, it's too late. It's already gone up you know, X percent. I'm like, so like, what, what does that matter? Like, why, why does it matter how much has gone up before? Like, if you believe it's going to go forward. So, so for me, it's like, and I learned this lesson of crypto. It's like, I don't mind getting in on the third, fourth floor, as long as I think there's another, you know, five, six floors to go. And I don't care that someone else has made that money before me. That's totally fine. They've hit the lottery. Good for them. I, I don't care, but I'm just trying to ride the wave up uh, on the rest of these guys. So guys like Brandon, Ayuk, I think sophomore wide receivers is, is like that, class of assets 
uh, that you can really, uh, you know, kind of buy high on. You can't buy high on running backs. It's like once running backs produce, it's like their first round draft capital. So it's like no, no way to do that. But for wide receivers, it absolutely can. But I think the biggest mistake that I made, and it's not even really like strategy related or anything like that, is like I used to get like offended, right? People would send me like a shit offer, and I get mad. I'm like, dude, what do you think? I'm freaking stupid. Like, you, you think I'm trying to like you're trying to two time me or something like that? And what I realized was like, that's not really conducive. It doesn't really add anything. You know, you put them on, if you put them on blast and like trade chat or you laugh at them or, or you, you send something snarky back. And I, I see people do on Twitter all the time. Like, what do you do? Like, do you, you know, do you like send back a shittier offer or do you like laugh at them? Do you explain to them? And like, at, at first I would get mad at this stuff like that when I first started. Nowadays, it doesn't really bother me anymore. And I think it's, it, it's like, it's something that I think a lot of people can, should do. It's like, if someone sends you a bad offer, just say no, right? Just click the no button and decline and and move on you don't have to get mad and and send them an angry note being like what do you think i am like stupid like that's such a low ball offer blah blah because at the end of the day look everyone has their own value on players right maybe that guy low ball maybe that guy is is a, is a sleaze ball and he low low balls you all the time and to deal with those guys i just stop engaging with them in trade talks is a waste of my time but also maybe they just had a totally different valuation right you, you never know it could have been a very innocent trade offer where they thought that it was fair but in your eyes you thought it was a shit offer and you know nowadays when that happens to me i'm just like hey man like thanks for the offer like we're a little bit far off here um you know but but you know thanks for the offer and then sometimes a trade will come out of that sometimes they'll say well where, where did i miss like you know where, what can i change and i've literally done deals where like you know two years ago i would have like scoffed and laughed in their face but to, and today i just go back and talk to them and be like hey like you know where do you think we can work with here and i've worked out deals right i've made trades and startups like many times where it started as a low ball that i converted into a very good trade for both both parties so i think that was the biggest mistake that i made because every time you do that you turn someone else off uh, and you kind of kill, you burn a trade bridge and you never want to do that in dynasty. You want to keep as many bridges open. You want to be like a fucking San Francisco with like golden gate bridges coming to you from all different directions, <laughs> golden gate bridge, Bay bridge, whatever you want to keep all those bridges open because the more bridges you have, the more trades you can make. And the only way to succeed in dynasty is to be able to do trades. So I'd say that was my biggest lesson and biggest mistake I made as a new dynasty player. That's, that's actually a great point. Actually, what I, what I do just to, just to add on to what you're saying is even even if somebody sends me a bad offer, I don't really care what they're giving me information, right? They're telling yeah. me, "Hey, I want that player." Yeah. So I have a spreadsheet on every one of my leagues. This may come as a shock, be encountered yeah. with a spreadsheet. I have a yeah. spreadsheet on every single one of my leagues with every owner listed, and I have a list of players that they've requested in trade. Yeah, and that way I know that they're looking for or they like this player. So yeah. if that player starts to explode and it gets out of my price range, I'm no longer comfortable with where they're valued. Mm-hmm. Then I go to that player and I'm like, "Hey, like, uh, you interested in?" I don't know, Darnell Mooney. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I, I am actually. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Cause you asked him about him three months ago and I wasn't ready <laughs> yeah. to sell. Yeah. So like, in my opinion, every time that somebody sends you an offer, they're sending you information. It may be yeah. useless. It could be absolutely useless, but it could be useful down the road. So you just make a note of it and move on. And like I said, when the time comes, you know, I, I don't like Darnell Mooney's price anymore. So all those people that offer me low ball offers on Darnell Mooney, when we were mid season and he was starting to starting to get a little play, when he when he put uh, when he embarrassed uh, Jalen Ramsey, yeah, yeah Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey embarrassed yeah. Jalen Ramsey and his price shot up. Then I was like, hey, it's maybe time to cash out. Who likes Darnell Mooney? Let me go and check who liked him. Who yep. was trying to buy him for a third round pick three months ago or two months ago or whatever it was. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love agree. that. I mean, I keep I keep a notebook on all my league mates too, and that's definitely a great data point to have is like who they've been interested in the past. So um, that's a great tip too. Yeah. All right. Well, that that brings us to the end. Uh, 
before we go, if you want to just uh, plug yourself, tell us tell us all the things that you do. Yeah, and, look, uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, like I said, I'm shooting the shit. If you guys want to holler at me on there, at Mike Me Up with Two Ps, uh, I talk football. I don't really get into too much of the drama, but you'll see me poke the bear sometimes. Shit on PFF here and there. Um, and then uh, if you want to watch my YouTube videos over on Bunk Bed Breakdowns on YouTube, um, so I do a segment called Market Watch Mondays. Comes out every every Monday. Uh, you can catch my partner uh, Noah also putting out some short form videos on the channel as well. And then it's also available on any podcast format that you use. And then last. Lastly, uh, come come hop in the Dynasty community with me, patreon.com slash our pack. Basically, I just I basically give my blueprint for Dynasty uh, to all the Patreon members. A lot of smart guys in there as well. Just bounce trade ideas and, you know, talk theory, crafting and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I think we have about 300 something people. Not as good. Not as good as the DFB encounter Patreon yet. But, you know, we're, we're growing. We're a small, uh, small startup and we're trying to get there. Uh, if you guys want to hop in there and support me, I uh, truly appreciate it. But yeah, that, that's kind of about everything that I'm doing right now. Right on. Thanks, Mike. So, uh this is the new podcast, everyone. I hope that uh, you like the the new format. We're really going to focus on process. I hope that you got that impression today. That will be the plan going forward. Uh, that's it. All right. Thanks for having me on, man. You bet.